In this episode, we're going to hear three very weird and strange encounters. But before we get to the stories, I want to mention there are two new channels of mine that you should definitely check out. The first is Donovan Dread 2, where I release the same great content, just a little shorter in length. Then there's Dread Captures, where we analyze various encounters that were captured on video, that were sent in to us, or that are available online. So if you're digging my content, make sure to hit that subscribe button, and I'll keep narrating these creepy encounters. Now let's get to the stories. Do you know how affordable it is to fly to Indonesia? $40 for a ticket to the international airport in Medan. $40 more and a five-hour drive to Bucket Lawang, and that's it. You're in the heart of Indonesia. At least you're in the area I think of when I think of Indonesia. In every direction, a sea of green. I always wanted to experience the rainforest firsthand. $100 earned me a two-day trek through the jungle with two experienced guides and all the sightings of wildlife that I could imagine. I hope when we first began our journey that I would see at least one Sumatran orangutan. They were the reason I came, honestly. Orangutans had always been my favorite animal, and I wanted to see one in person, in its natural habitat, before their critically endangered status became any bleaker. I donated where I could to help the conservation efforts, of course, but it's hard to feel like you're making a difference when you're only one person. Looking back, I wonder if I took the trip to Indonesia because I needed to rekindle my fighting spirit or because I had already given up on saving the species. It doesn't matter. In the end, neither the orangutans nor myself became the biggest part of my story. Although, I guess it did start with one orangutan in particular. We were only an hour into the first day's trek when the lead guide raised his flat palm toward me. I stopped immediately, and the second guide, who had been following in the rear, ran ahead to join him. They pointed to the trunk of a large tree where the vines had wrapped a coil around it and formed a second shell. Whatever they were discussing, I couldn't see it. It was just a tree as far as I was concerned. Then they waved me forward. I approached slowly, exactly as they instructed, and soon my eyes landed on the object of their fascination. Around the rear side of the tree trunk, the layer of vines swelled out to create a hollow dome. Inside that dome, through the bar-like vines, I saw something large and hairy, the Sumatran orangutan. I think I yelped. I was so excited. The guides both glared at me until I quieted down. I hadn't realized it yet, but the orangutan at the base of the tree was frightened. It was hiding. Every few moments, it would peek its head out from behind the vines and glance upward. We followed its vision to the canopy, but couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. No other primates, no predators. The orangutan was trembling. It didn't even notice that we were standing there. The guides ensured that we gave the animal plenty of space and we continued on our journey. I asked if that kind of encounter was odd. It felt odd. They didn't answer. We stayed silent for a long while after that, only chatting when the guides stopped to point out our first sighting of a particular plant or animal. It was all fascinating, all beautiful. But I couldn't shake the memory of the wide-eyed orangutan from my head. When the sun began to set, we heard the beast that had scared that poor orangutan. Far above us, something in the canopy howled. Now, I'm no expert, but in the time since this encounter, I've tried to identify that howl. The best way I can describe it is somewhere between a cry of a wolf 
and a chimpanzee. It was loud, high-pitched, and long-winded. When the call finally faded, we all stood frozen in place. The guides didn't need to explain that they'd never heard anything like that. I could see it in their slack-jawed expressions. We watched the tops of the trees, searching for the shadows for the source of that strange howl. We didn't want to move and risk provoking the animal that we couldn't see. Then, something in those shadows moved. The entire canopy seemed to sway as the thing in the darkness shifted above us. Whatever it was, it was large enough to bend those trees without a grunt of effort. I remember asking if we should run. Instead of answering, one of the guides broke into a sprint. I followed him, leaving the other one frozen in place. I like to think the guide we left behind got out of that jungle just fine. After all, the beast chased the two of us. Branches cracked and dropped from the sky, turning the dense tree limbs into a rain of foliage that fell at our heels as we ran. The creature was massive and powerful enough that it didn't need to be graceful. I tried to catch a glimpse of the animal when I could, looking over my shoulder every dozen paces as I tried to keep up with the guide ahead of me. I saw these leathery red wings, the length of a car. I saw this long snout and pointed teeth, dark eyes the size of my clenched fists, and feet with these hook-shaped claws. I know that the two of us felt like the shadow of death was upon us. The creature felt inescapable, and the jungle felt like it would stretch on forever. But just as quickly as it came, the beast was gone. The only explanation, as far as I'm concerned, was that we had wandered into its territory. Maybe it had recently moved into a part of the forest and didn't want any intruders, human or orangutan. The guide refunded me and didn't say a word. I had questions that I didn't know how to ask. Instead of asking them, I just went home. The heart of Indonesia, I learned, was a dangerous place to be. I know answers aren't coming, not without going back. It's a cheap flight, remember? Tell me you want to see what I saw, and I'll take you to the place where I found death in the jungle. This happened a few years ago when I was still in high school. I'm in college now. We all decided to do what normal, bored, suburban high school kids do when we hear about a place that we aren't supposed to go to. We got wind of an abandoned psychiatric hospital a few cities over. Urban legend had said it was haunted and creepy. As you know, people had gone crazy exploring it. Naturally, myself and my three friends needed to check this place out. I mean, I didn't believe in all the rumors and whatnot, but then again... It'd be pretty great if something did happen. So we got our flashlights and a couple of cameras. We charged our phones and got our backpacks and got everything ready for the weekend to go check this place out. There were pictures online of the place, but they were all during the day. We needed to go at night, the middle of the night if we could. The pictures were pretty crazy. It was old, run down, but I needed to see it in person. Experience the place for myself. Apparently... The cops did monitor the place, so we had to be on the lookout for that too. I was not looking forward to being arrested or whatever. I don't need that in my life. We decided to go on a Sunday instead of a Saturday. Saturday is usually way more busy, you know? Whereas Sunday, people aren't out as much. At least, that's what we all decided. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Anyway, my friends came over, and we piled into my car and left my house around 10 p.m. 
It took about 45 minutes to get to the city of Northville, another couple of minutes to get to the hospital. I'm not going to lie, it was pretty creepy, especially at night. And I'm not the type to get creeped out by anything. It was big and janky looking. Broken windows, boarded windows, overgrown grass. It was like out of a movie. I just kind of laughed when I saw it. We kept our flashlights off going up to the building. We hadn't seen any cops, but we weren't used to the area. We weren't really sure where they hung out. I mean, they have to drive by every so often, right? We found some broken windows to get into the place. It wasn't hard. I used the light on my phone and my two friends used flashlights. They tried to point them towards the ground so that the light wasn't too bright. My other friend held his cameras to take pictures and video of our exploration. Everything was dingy and dirty and the paint was peeling off the walls. A lot of the tiled floors were cracked and broken. Things would crunch under your feet when you walked in certain areas. There was furniture and all kinds of stuff left behind. We found a room with stacks of old paint cans, piled up almost to the ceiling. There were old cafeteria tables folded up, tables covered with old papers and plastic containers, a room filled with like a dozen fridges. It was really weird. Like, why would you just leave all this stuff for years? There's like graffiti everywhere on the walls, like all over the place. We took a bunch of pictures of it. There was one room that had, you're not getting out alive, painted in red on the walls. That kind of freaked us out, and we just kind of laughed it off. There was one area, though, that had, I love you, on a brick wall, and that's when stuff started to get kind of weird. We're standing there taking a picture of the wall, when we swear we hear footsteps down the hall. We just stop and look at each other, and my friend Steph gets all wide-eyed. I'm trying not to laugh, and my other friends are shushing me. So I go and I look down the hallway, and I can't see anything. I mean, it's a super old building. It could be anything. And with the graffiti on the walls, people obviously come here from time to time. So we keep going. We find a couple of rooms with broken glass all over the floor, and some abandoned wheelchairs and old bed frames. We come across one room with a metal table in the middle of the room, with cabinets lining the walls. There's like holes in the table, and a rubber hose attached to it. I don't know what the hell this was used for, but we take some pictures of it, and we hear the footsteps again. We look at each other, and I swear I heard some whistling. I go and stick my head out the door and look around. I don't see anything, and now I don't hear anything. My friends started to get kind of panicky at this point, so we walk out into the hall, and then we hear something, creaking, like a door or window. That made my buddy Rob jump and I almost bust out laughing. He stops, though, and stares into his camera, and points at the screen on it. We all crowd around him, and see this shadow, like, moving down the hall. I shine the flashlight down the hall, and there's nothing. I look back at the screen, and it seems like the shadow is still moving down the wall of the hallway. Well, that was it. That sent my friends into full freakout mode, and they take off down the hallway. I go running after them, and we hear like loud crashing behind us, like things are either being flung around or smashed into each other. I don't really know. We find a room with smashed out windows, and we head outside. We were all freaked out and turned around, so it took a second to figure out which way the car was. But we ran the entire way. That shadow was shaped like a man with a long coat, I think. Some of my other friends thought it was a lady with a dress on. I really don't know. 
but it was definitely a crazy night. And none of my friends ever want to do anything like it ever again. It was Christmas Eve and I was running late to dinner at my parents' house. It was my first year working in retail over the holidays, and everyone and their extended families were buying last-minute gifts. I didn't expect my shift to run that far over. No rest for the wicked, I guess. My family usually gets cheap Chinese takeout for Christmas Eve. Not very exciting, I know, but I was looking forward to it regardless. I had planned to have at least an hour to go home take a shower and make myself look presentable, but I would have to leave right from work if I wanted to make it to the party at all. It started snowing the last hour of my shift. Not enough to stick to the roads, but enough to make things pretty slippery. Great, I thought. That's just what I need, as if I wasn't already late. The drive to my parents would take about 40 minutes, but it likely would be an hour with the snow. I closed the store with another co-worker and got my car. The snow was falling in big flakes now. The parking lot was a little slippery driving, but the streets had been salted. Maybe I wouldn't be as late as I had thought. I soon left the city streets and headed towards the dark country roads. My parents didn't live in the middle of nowhere or anything, but I had to drive through a couple of towns to get there, mostly on state highways surrounded by farmland. The snow was falling heavily by now, and visibility wasn't great. I remember snow sticking to my windshield wipers and freezing, so much so that I had to pull over and try to clean them off. I wasn't quite sure where I was. The visibility was pretty bad. It looked like I was near the game farm, but I couldn't tell for certain. The game farm is a big waterfowl area, super swampy and marshy. In the winter, it looks just like a normal field except for the barren swamp trees scattered throughout. I squinted through the snow to see if I could make out if those were swamp trees or not. If they were, then I was only about 10 miles away from my parents' house. As I was looking out at those trees, I thought I saw lights glowing from the other side of the road. They were small, sort of a reddish-yellow. Just the two lights. I held my hand up to block the snow and to see if I could get a better look. By this point, I had recognized the game farm, but I couldn't see what these lights were. There was no way a person could be walking around out there. This was our first big snowfall of the season, and it hadn't been cold enough for the ground to freeze. Anybody out there would have fallen right into the swamp. The lights looked like they were moving closer to the road, but with the snow, I can't really say for sure. But that's what they looked like. I stood outside my car and watched them, trying to figure out what they could be. They went out once and then came back a second later, then twice then three times. And then I realized they were eyes. The lights going out, whatever it was, was blinking. I jumped back in my car and locked the door. I watched it for a moment. I knew I should drive away, but I desperately wanted to see what it was. The eyes stopped moving towards me, but they stayed fixated on my car. I drove away and whatever it was didn't try to follow me. I had all but forgotten how late I was to Christmas Eve dinner. The only thing I saw was its eyes. I didn't even see a shape of an outline or its body. I can say that it looked to be around my height, about five and a half feet tall. The snow was still falling steadily, and while I was driving slowly, I was confident that I left the creature with the glowing eyes far behind me. But I didn't even make it a half mile before something ran into the front of my car. I didn't hit the brakes because I didn't want to slide off the road. 
It looked big, maybe a deer. I didn't hit it, but I saw something move in the ditch on the other side of the road. I pulled over, but I didn't want to get out of the car after the incident at the game farm. So I just watched in my side mirror to see if anything in the ditch moved. It was hard to see through the snow, but it looked like this creature was getting up. It stood up on two legs, and for a split second, I thought I had just almost hit a person on the road. But then, I saw its eyes. Those same reddish-yellowish eyes from the swamp. There must be two of them, because there's no way that one could have gotten here so fast. I was driving slow, but I was still going at least 45 miles per hour. But as soon as it stood up and shook off the snow... I realized how it could have gotten here so fast, and how it ran right in front of my car without getting hit. It had wings, like bird wings. I don't know, it was hard to see in the snow, but but it for sure had wings. It was too dark to see its face, but I saw its eyes and its wings. I drove dangerously fast the rest of the way to my parents' house. I'm surprised I even made it, and thankfully, this creature didn't follow me again. I don't have any other explanation for it, and I haven't ever seen it again since that night on Christmas Eve. Thanks for watching, and let me know what you think of these stories in the comments below. Don't forget that you can listen to my episodes on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. I try to upload every single day on this channel, and on Donovan Dread 2, where I release shorter content. Same great encounters, just a little bit shorter. Also, if you want to see crazy encounters captured on trail cams, then check out Dread Captures. It's part of the Dread Network, where we go over live footage of very strange encounters that are sent into the Facebook group or videos that are circulating on the web. Last but certainly not least, check out Lilith Dread. She releases the same great content daily on her channel. You'll find all of these links below. Thanks and take care.